0: All right, y'all know how we roll. You got to let somebody know you love, let three people know you love them right now. Come on, some way, shape, or form. We done high five, fist bumped. I see people moving. There's love in the air. There's love in the air. We're going to start singing, I have messed up. Joel and I have messed up. I have messed up the high five with him all day. I'm so thankful that we get to be here today. Uh, I'm thankful for our Vine worship team. That was awesome worship. Guys, if you aren't fired up for that, we need to check your pulse because something's going on. Uh, so over these past few weeks, guys, uh, you see I got a mess up here today, uh, over these past few weeks, and today, believe it or not, we're going to be wrapping up our good work series. We've been rallying around this verse, which is Ephesians 3 or excuse me 2:10. And it says this, "For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." No matter where we are on the spectrum of following Jesus, whether we followed him for 20 years, for two minutes, for for two years, or we just know him at Christmas and Easter, or maybe just him as a baby in a manger, we want to do a good work in this life. All of us do. We have something inside of us, unless we're a psychopath. Seriously, we want to do something good. And so many times in our life, we're searching for that good thing so much that we miss the opportunity that's right in front of us. And so that's what we've been unpacking, is how do we live this good work out. Because Jesus gave us a model for that. He gave us the model of intentional, relational discipleship. And so that's what we've been walking through and how we're going to wrap up this series today as we talk through multiply. Multiply. You see, what's really crazy, and, and maybe we don't think about this, is there's something inside of us that wants to reproduce. I'm not just talking about having kids. I'm not talking about having like 30 kids running around, which is awesome. If you have 30 kids, please let us know so we can get our Vine Kids ministry ready so we can make sure that we take care of them. But there's something inside of us that wants wants to reproduce. And what we don't realize is that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You see, God told Adam to go name all the animals in the Garden of Eden, and then he realized he was alone, and he said, I can't have a man be lonely, and he needs a mate. And so he gave Adam and Eve together. And what was the first command he gave Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. We have this inside of us. And so as we've been unpacking who Jesus is to you and who Jesus is to me, that's what we're going to roll into today. we got one more verse before we get into where we're going to be hanging out today. Um the verse I told you we're going to be walking through is how we, are, how we can reproduce, how we can multiply as followers of Jesus is this one verse, the last thing Jesus told us. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, And surely I'm with you always until the very end of the age. You see, that's the good work that we're called to do if we really want to multiply, is to go and make disciples. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be hanging out in John 1 to begin with, and we're going to be in a couple of different scriptures today. So, if you would like a Bible, we have them free for the asking. If you're not a fan of winning the sword drill, if you remember that back in the VBS days, uh, we, I love that we get to partner with the Bible app. And so you can follow along with us on the Bible app. I want to show you how to do that really quickly. Uh, you go ahead and download the Bible app from your favorite app store. And you're going to open that up. And when you do that, you're going to click on the More tab. Once you click on the More tab, make sure your location services is on. Click on Events. And you're gonna see the Vine TV worship experience and multiply because the thing that we're gonna walk through today is gonna be a lot of scripture. So if you wanna follow along there, that's gonna have all the scripture for you. It's gonna have ways to connect with us throughout the week. It's gonna have ways to to let us know if we can serve you or pray for you. So if you've got your Bible, I'm gonna start in John 1. If not, go ahead and get the Bible app open and you can follow along with us and we're gonna see how to live out this thing called Multiply. So here we go. Everybody buckled up, ready to go. Let everybody know you love them. Everybody's sick today. It's ty- it's, it's football weather, so everybody's tired and sleepy. Uh, we do have some folks out. We've got a lot of folks out that are sick, so we're definitely praying for them because that ain't something many of us want. I'm gonna tell you right now. None of us want this sickness going around. So John one, if you got your Bible, we're gonna start in verse 35. And just before we do, if you've ever been to our sower's class, you're going to know what I'm talking about when I get here and how we can multiply. So buckle up, strap in. We're going to have a great day. We're going to learn how we can multiply and be fruitful and multiply the way God calls us to. So John 1 verse 35 says this. The next day, there, John, this is John the Baptist, not the writer of the book, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day there with him. It was about four in the afternoon. I love how John, just usually John's not the one who gives you so many details, but he knew it was four in the afternoon. You know how he knew that? He had just had a nap at three o'clock, because that's where we all get around three o'clock, right? So he woke up and knew it was, y'all, it's gonna be y'all, come on now. I ain't even on, I ain't even on no drugs or nothing. I ain't been sick this week. I ain't on my steroids from my bronchitis stuff. And y'all, y'all gotta get fired up today. Come on now. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said, excuse me, had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to do what? Find his brother Simon and tell him. What did he say? We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Excuse me. And he brought him to Jesus. It goes on to say this. After that, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Don't get excited, Hank Williams Jr. fans. Not Bo Cephas. Cephas, which literally means the rock. But it's telling you here, it's translated to Peter. That's why when Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is already telling Peter right there, hey, you were going to be the foundations of the saints. I'm going to be the cornerstone. You were the foundation of the saints that I will build my church upon. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Oh, Nathanael. Uh, come and see, said Philip. So we can see even from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he lived out this thing called Multiply. Every one of those folks went and found someone who found someone, and they brought them to Jesus. That's why we believe at the Vine Church, we are God's plan for growing his church. And what I want you to pay attention to here is Jesus wasn't trying to collect numbers. He wasn't trying to collect people for a milestone, collect people to build a goal. No, he called them and sent them. He said, come and follow me, because he eventually knew he was going to send them to the ends of the earth to go and make disciples. So they knew that they were called to multiply. So what we've done is we've built this foundation of that. How in the world do we get there? Because we started out by talking about who is Jesus to you. The greatest cause on earth is Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We talked about next, as we went through, how we can have the right intention. And that's where these witness bands came from. How we are searching for our ones. How we have to intentionally look for the people that Jesus places in front of us. Last week, we dove into the journey and how relationships matter. How life change happens best inside of Christian community. We have to have relationships. Jesus built us to be in relationship. And today, we're going to tackle the discipleship aspect, and multiply, because here's the thing. As we walk through this, we're going to see a, a, a diagram here in a minute, and I want to go ahead and tell you this. Following Jesus is not linear. Our brains work that way. So you're going to see a graph in just a moment and a diagram in just a moment, and what it's going to look like is it's going to look like following Jesus is linear. But believe it or not, it's, it, it sometimes is a crooked path. Now, he's a straight, narrow path, but we have times where we regress and progress. It's almost kind of circular. And if that's sounding familiar to you, that's why Israel circled in the desert for 40 years is because they had to struggle in finding Jesus and following him and listening to what he said to do and being obedient in it. So today, as we dive into this discipleship, I just want to remind you this. God's role is transformation. The disciple maker's role is is to go and be a disciple who pursues, encourages, teaches, and coaches another disciple. And so you got to know what a disciple is. Well, a disciple is somebody who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus, which is to go and make disciples. So today, we're going to literally walk through what it means to be a biblical disciple. Because in the end, in the end, Colossians 1.28 sums up, Where we need to be. I told you it's gonna be a great time to be in your Bible lab. It sums up where we should be and what we are called to do as disciples. He, that's Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's how we go and make disciples, is to grow in Christ. You see, the thing is, so many times we always say, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Well, I want to flip that up and say, it's okay to be okay, it's okay to not be okay, but God loves you enough to not stay that way. He wants you to be who he created you to be, not be stuck in the same pattern, stuck in the same flight pattern, just circling and circling and circling. And what we learned throughout the Bible is Israel was stuck in that pattern, God had just set them free from Egypt, and yet they still circled and circled and circled the same thing, even though he was blessing them tremendously. So today, today is going to be real introspective. Today is going to be a day where you're going to know the answer to this more than I will. And that's awesome. That's what I love about following Jesus, and I love about the Holy Spirit. Because today we're going to dive into what biblical discipleship looks like. And you're going to know where you are. You're going to see areas of your life where you're spiritually mature. And you're going to see areas in your life where you spiritually need to grow. And today I'm praying and I'm believing that each of us will have a next step. And that the Holy Spirit will show it to us. And that we'll be bold enough to take it. Okay? So that's where we're going to be today. So I told you to buckle up, and I'm fired up and jacked up, and I didn't really have that much coffee this morning. I'm so excited. That worship was so good, it got me fired up. So I uh, today we're going to dive into biblical discipleship. So uh, I'm not going to tell you where we're going to be in the Bible. We're going to be in a couple different places. So if you've got the Bible app, there's going to be a diagram on it. If that doesn't work for you, we'd love to send you one. Let me know. Tyler.West at TheVine.TV. I'd love to email you one. Let me know what I can pray for you for when you reach out to me. But today, we're going to walk through the different areas slash stages of biblical discipleship. So once again, you're going to see this diagram pop up here in a second, hopefully. If not, it will be in your Bible app. But we're talking through biblical discipleship here, and we're going to walk all the way from from your left to my right, from my right to your left. Uh, We're going to walk through the different stages of our spiritual journey. Now, once again, I want to go ahead and clear this up. This is our, 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 our discipleship pattern and the way that we follow Jesus, our spiritual journey is often not linear. There are times where we'll be spiritually mature in one area and we'll be a spiritual infant in another, okay? And that's okay. What I want you to know today is Jesus is going to give you a next step through the Holy Spirit through this. I just want you to be obedient to take it and I'm, I'm praying the same thing for myself, all right? So today we're going to walk through what this looks like. So here we go. We're going to start. If everybody's ready, we're going to start the first step in our spiritual journey as we're spiritually dead we're spiritually dead ephesians 2 verse 1 through 3 reminds us of this if you're not in the bible app maybe you can take notes whatever pops out at you uh Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 3, reminds us that we are spiritually dead. And it says this in the, in the church that, that, that Paul's letter to the Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work with those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is why we wear this witness band, guys. The people who are spiritually dead are our ones. We have to be reminded, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and everything was right. We were in a right relationship with him and a right relationship with each other. But what ended up happening is God said, you can do anything you want inside this garden but this one thing. But that one thing, Satan deceived Adam and Eve and said that one thing so much better than all of this you can have. And so in that rebellion, Adam and Eve sinned and they broke the relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And yet God said, I want to make a way for you to have a relationship with me. And he loved us enough that he sent his son to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to fulfill the law that we couldn't live, to die the death we deserved on the cross, love us enough not to stay dead, rose again on the third day, and made a way for us to be in a right relationship with him that would then bring us in a right relationship with each other. Now the thing is, I want to remind you, so many times we hear the gospel that way and we forget that one time we were spiritually dead. We can easily forget what Jesus saved us from. And so wherever you are on this journey, this spiritual journey, whatever stage you're in, whatever you're walking through, I want us to all be reminded that we all started at the same place. We all started spiritually dead. Because the thing is, so many times, there are many people, it's dwindling even in the Bible Belt, that claim to be Christian, but they're spiritually dead. A matter of fact, there are Sunday school teachers right now who, are Christ, who claim to be Christian, that are living out a religion, but don't have a relationship. They're spiritually dead because Jesus is not Lord of their life and not savior of their life. And so many times guys, what breaks my heart is that we fall into the trap of religion and we just keep circling around that same pattern. And we don't live the full life that Jesus died to give us. And so when we see our friends and family that way, maybe Jesus is giving you that name that one right now that's spiritually dead, please, that's why I've been asking, how can I pray for you in it? We have a team who wants to pray for you for those ones because we want everyone to know who Jesus is. And maybe that what I'm gonna share with you through these things is, is maybe, maybe you don't realize it right away, but if you want some key phrases that you hear from someone who is not a Christian, I'm going to give you three I'm going to give you a key phrase in just about every area here but someone who is spiritually dead says things like this I don't believe there is a god You know Christianity is just a crutch for weak people You know Christianity is just one of many paths to heaven which, by the way, if somebody brings up heaven, I want you to know that Jesus preached 40, more, 40 times more on hell than he did in heaven. So if we believe that there's a heaven, then you got to believe that there is a hell. So there is, no black, there is no gray area there. It's black and white. Either we're going to heaven because we've confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, or we're going to hell. There is no in-between. There is no good works, there is no give enough, there is no serve enough, there is no do enough. There's nothing that can get us there without believing that Jesus is who he says he is. So I want to tell you, if you're hearing those things around you, know that this person is literally spiritually dead, even though they may wear a jacket with a cross on it. And they may be saying they're team Jesus. The Bible isn't reliable or trustworthy, so I must add from it or subtract from it so it fits my needs. You see, Christians are hypocritical, hateful, and intolerant people, so why in the world would I have anything to do with that? To that I would say, I agree, and there's room for one more, because I'm not where I'm at, and I'm not where I used to be, I'm not where I want to be, but God's, by God's grace, he's grown me to where I'm, not, where I'm not where I used to be. And so when we have people in our life that are spiritually dead, they're chasing the things of this world. They're chasing things that will never satisfy. And sometimes the thing they're chasing is religion, and we wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't believe it because they led the youth group. They led the Sunday school class. They're the ones who pray all the time. But they're lacking a relationship, and they're chasing things that don't matter, and they're spiritually dead. So when you're going about your day, you're going about this week, I'm praying right now that the Spirit would just open your ears and eyes to hear these things. And if you can't hear them, I'm praying that he would show them to you because you'll be able to see it through the Spirit. And so to get to that next stage, the obvious answer is we have to go through salvation. Jesus is our only way. There's no way to fill the gap that we have there unless someone shares the gospel with us, says, come and see who Jesus is. I'm going to tell you what he's done in my life. I don't believe just because the Bible tells me so. I believe it because what he's done in me. Let me show you who he is. Let me show you how he's changed me. And when that person gives their life to Jesus because only he can save, We can't. We can only point them to Jesus, by the way. Let me make that clear. Only he can save them. When they give their life to Jesus and confess him as Lord and Savior of their life, they can move over to the next stage, which is spiritual infant. Spiritual infant. Now let me tell you about this person. This person is in Christ. They're not unintelligent They just lack understanding. They don't have knowledge. And what I mean by that is this. Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14 points out what spiritual infancy looks like. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. He needs some milk. You're welcome. Go Google that later. You know. If you know, you know. That's old school. You're welcome. (laughs) Verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, can we all agree to grow and thrive? Babies need someone to feed and care for them. The ones with babies said yes, they know, right? I'm going to say if, if you have a child and I come to your house and I slap a T-bone in front of them that I just cooked on the grill that smells so great and I get mad at the baby for crying because it can't feed itself, does that seem rational? It seems pretty angry, right? You would be pretty mad at me, and you should be because I'm an idiot. I lack, I lack understanding because I don't have children. Yet so many times, so many times when Christians give their life to Jesus, we get so excited, but that's what we do. We tell them right away, you need to, eat, you need to know everything about the Bible, and you need to tell somebody everything about the Bible. Now, hear me out. I'm not discounting the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can move and you can he can do things in you that will give you knowledge that you didn't even have because it's the Holy Spirit. But if you're expecting someone who should be drinking milk, who needs to be cared for and, and needs to be helped to thrive, to eat T-bone steak, that's why people don't come to church, y'all. Because that's what we expect. And let me tell you this, you can follow Jesus for 20 years and still be a spiritual infant. This doesn't have a time limit on it. This is something we can all see right now. Because here's the thing that happens is a spiritual infant can't take these next steps alone. They got to have a parent that's a spiritual parent with them. If we were to go out there and take a toddler and tell them, here's the keys. Go on down and get you something to eat. They They got a special at Sonic. Go figure it out. You'll figure it out. You'll figure out how to get there if you're hungry enough. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But that's what we tell people when they follow Jesus. Oh, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Hey, just read your Bible a lot and pray. You'll figure it out. You don't need anybody to walk with you step by step through it. You don't need anybody to say, hey, I'm reading the Bible. Would you like to read it with me? You don't need that. And I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Believe it or not, the longer we follow Jesus, I believe we can all be guilty of it because we forget what it's like to be a spiritual infant. So a spiritual infant needs... Eventually, we'll get there a spiritual parent who will give them love, direction, support, and coaching that is taught with love and joy. I don't get mad at a baby for crying in the middle of the night because it's hungry or it needs its diaper changed. You would say that's a terrible parent, right? But a a toddler throwing a tantrum in the grocery store is a a teaching moment. A teaching moment about discipline, is it not? But (laughs) it's a teaching moment. And so I will tell you, if you're in the spiritual infant phase, God, that's awesome. Because the thing I love about you if you're a spiritual infant is, God, they're hungry. They're hungry for the word. A baby's hungry for food, y'all. You, you, you plop some food in front of a, you plop a formula in a bottle, you give a baby a bottle, it ain't going to say no. I mean, it ain't going to say no. And when it does, you know something's wrong. Somebody who's a spiritual infant is hungry for the Word. They dive in it, they read it all the time, they just don't understand it fully. They need someone to help them. But so many times in our life and in the church, that's what we've done is we've got mad at them because they don't understand it. Maybe they break the Word of God down the wrong way or they they don't understand fully what it is and we get angry at them and I, I just don't understand that we got to meet that with love and joy and be excited because here's the thing that, I, like I said, I love about a spiritual infant. I want to always have the hunger they have for the word. I want to always have the hunger a spiritual infant has for knowledge and saying, Jesus, mold me. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, make me into what you created me to be. Spiritual infants are willing to do that. So, so many times what happens, though, is they're just poorly discipled. So, we have to go to a spiritual infant and understand they may not know anybody. A lot of times that's what happens in, in church ministry and in church where we can do it is teenagers will meet Jesus and we'll get mad they're acting like teenagers. <laughs> well, if they love Jesus, they wouldn't act that stupid. Well, they're teenagers. Come on, seriously. They're going to make stupid decisions. They're learning too. The difference is we got to meet it with love and joy and walk with them through it. Same thing with a spiritual infant. we just got to meet them right where they are and walk with them through it. And however long it takes... Just like it takes all of us different amounts of times to learn how to walk, we got to be willing to wait as long as it takes till that infant's ready to walk, to take that next step. But in the process of waiting for that child to walk, we're going to hold it, we're going to love it, we're going to tell it how, how important it is, how much God has a plan and a purpose for them and how they were made for a time such as this. So the question I want to ask you is, who walked with you when you were a spiritual infant? Think back. Maybe you've stepped out of this stage, but I want you to think back. Who walked with you? Who walked with you when you were spiritually dead and pointed you to Jesus? More than likely, that's the same person who walked with you when you were a spiritual infant, at least for a time. And if that person's alive today, take a moment to call them or text them. Let them know that they matter. If you don't know, maybe you just got their address from somewhere. Write them a note. Tell them what they mean to you. Because the thing is, so many times what will happen is when you've held babies long enough, you forget how important it is. And you think, all I'm good for is holding babies. It's being real. And so you forget that you matter. You forget that there are others around. Like, a lot of times I hear mothers who are home with babies, they feel like, man, it's just me and my kid. That's, not, that's the only community I have. I want to tell you, remember, that person was willing to invest in you and hold you like a baby for as long as it took. So love them today, wherever they are. Here's are some sayings of someone who's a spiritual infant. Jesus, Allah, Buddha, and Karma all express this, all express the same principles. Excuse me. Jesus, Allah, Buddha, and Karma all express the same principles. Man, I had no idea the Bible said that. I get that every day. So I'm a spiritual infant in that all the time. Anytime I can go and I can read the same scripture over and over again. Like, what? It's crazy. A spiritual infant a lot of times will say this. I don't really have time for church. A church isn't a building, it's the people, but I don't have to be involved in one to grow in Christ. That's that headstrong infant crawling away from you, even though you, or that, that little toddler that you're just running after constantly because they just want to run away. Recognize the spiritual infants in your life and know that they're looking for a spiritual parent, and that might be who you are. To get to this next state. to go from the next stage of spiritual infant to, a spiritual child. What has to happen is that infant has to develop new habits to grow in the life pattern of Christ. In other words, what ends up happening is we're a spiritual infant to a spiritual child is in our terms of development, they go off to preschool. They go off to school. They learn new life patterns. They walk in them. They have a schedule. They have classes they go to. they have They have book bags and and, 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 and they, they make friends and they lose friends and they, they go and walk through all of these things. They develop new habits and patterns. The same thing in our spiritual walk. This is what I love about Jesus. When he designed us, he knew that he was going to make us this way. That we could connect our spiritual life with our physical and what's happening. It's so crazy. So to be a spiritual child, let me tell you about a spiritual child. They're growing in Christ, but they're self-centered. They're growing in Christ but they're self-centered. And we're gonna unpack that, what that means. They're growing in Christ, but they're self-centered. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 through 12 describes a spiritual child, and it says this. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that... Excuse me. You know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So in other words, this spiritual child had to once again have a parent to deal with it. Paul is talking about here to the church. He's saying, hey, listen, you needed someone who was a father who encouraged you, who comforted you, and who urged you on. So somebody who is a spiritual child needs to be taught to cultivate a servant's heart. It's about their salvation and their eternal security is ready to go. And that's all they care about. They don't care about anything else. You want to know that? Put a birthday cake in front of a four-year-old, okay? Put macaroni and cheese and banana pudding in front of me. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm self-centered. It is. Y'all going to figure it out. Y'all, y'all got forks. Uh, so, you know, y'all will figure it out, Right? Put that in front of a spiritual child, it's the same way. they, They love Jesus, they're learning new ways to follow Jesus, but it's still all about them. It's still all about them. What happens in this stage, though, is they start to meet other Christians. They start to meet other Christians, and what ends up happening is someone usually comes along and challenges that behavior or disciplines them with love and grace. Once again, that parent. You have to have discipline for your child. Now, I don't have that, so I'm not going to tell you I I don't have a child, but I will tell you I've heard and I can empathize and say as a parent, it does hurt you more to discipline your child than it does them. But you know you're preparing them to be better than where they were. And this is what happens with someone who's a spiritual child is that has to be met with love and grace. What ends up happening to this is you can slap a T-bone steak in front of that spiritual child. They still can't figure out how to eat it. They've got to have it cut up into bite-sized pieces so that they can consume it the right way. They're not just drinking formula. They don't need to be held to be ate. They get to have the cool little plate and the bib and get to go all out and make a mess. It's fun. It's great. I'm not a parent, obviously, because that's probably not fun all the time when you go to a restaurant and four tables over got a piece of T-bone steak, right? So a spiritual child still needs to have things given to them in bite-sized chunks, They need to be shown how to cultivate that servant heart. But more importantly, they need to be shown we do the right things for the right reasons. It's not about you. You don't do it just so you can get the glory. We don't follow Jesus just because it's about us. It's not. It's never been just about us. It's all about God getting the glory. That's why we're here is to give him the most glory. So someone who's a spiritual child is someone who will continue to grow in Christ, but they're very self-centered. So here's some sayings of a spiritual child. Well, you know, my church just didn't feed me. I guess I'm gonna go find me one who will. You know what? You got a fork, and I cut it up in bite-sized pieces. (laughs) It's up to you whether you put that fork to your mouth. That's what a parent has to tell a child sometimes. Either you eat it or you can't go outside and play, right? Either you eat it or you don't get dessert. Either you eat it or you don't. And they figure it out. They'll eventually figure it out. Listen, when it comes to being fed, only Christ can do that. If you rely on me to feed you, it's eventually going to run out. A church is never meant supposed to be the only thing that feeds you. you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you got to pick up your fork and you've got to feed yourself sometime. And that's by the Holy Spirit working in you. They say things like this. I would love to serve, but it just seems like a waste of time. Hey, man, my small group is about to grow. And so I'm gonna to have to go find another one because I don't like how big it's getting, especially if they let those people in. See that self-centeredness? Go to a birthday party of like a five or six-year-old. You'll see, they have little groups. Just go play pin the tail on the donkey with them and you'll see, half of them will pin the tail on each other and I enjoy that because I, I, I join in that fun. And then the others will go do their thing and actually play the game. They'll get in their sandbox. They'll pick a, And then when they get mad, they'll pick up their ball and go to a different sandbox. If they don't like it. That's what a spiritual child will do. What happens in a spiritual child phase, as you can see, as just that child when it gets hurt, they say things like this, I can't believe God would allow such pain to occur in my life. Believe it or not, I, and, and still please continue to send those in through Labor Day to thevine.tv slash you ask for it. That's the question that I've got the most of. Is how can God be so good and yet something so bad happen? And to me, that's awesome because I think that's a question we all ask at different times in our walk with him. But the sign of a spiritual child is not getting through that. Being angry at God because this happened to me constantly. You know what? You've been mad at God about that for 10 years. Let's take some next steps. That's what a spiritual child looks like. So when you're hearing those things, Maybe you can see someone's a spiritual child, and the question I would ask you is, can you remember some, I want you to think of this, I'll just put it to you this way, who's the person in your life you would say has the most integrity? Who's the person who's the most trustworthy person in your life? Because that's the person you trusted as a spiritual child. It's a delicate phase. And if their view of Jesus was skewed, I bet yours is too. And so what I would tell you is if you're a spiritual child or you can see in the spirit showing you that you're in this phase, be mindful of who Jesus has placed around you and know what your next step is. If you are exactly the same as you are now, as you were 10 years ago, I'm willing to bet you're not around the right Christians to help you grow. And that's okay. But Jesus wants more for you than that. So a spiritual child, I want you to think about that person, like I said, with integrity. And then, hey, I wonder if they're a part of the church. Unfortunately, integrity in the church don't go hand in hand right now, and it should be the, most integri- the thing that has the most integrity because we have the truth of the gospel, <laughs> but yet it isn't. So maybe you're hearing these things, maybe you're seeing these things, but the sign of a spiritual child is that. And so to get from the next stage, and so this is important why I'm telling you to get to the next stages so you can see maybe where you are, to get to the next stage from a spiritual child To a spiritual young adult, what has to happen is that child has to grow emotionally. In the spiritual journey, you understand that Christianity is confession and repentance. You embrace accountability without getting offensive about it, and you're willing to confront others with love, not hate. You don't want to put those shopping carts around that car and put a chain in it and the padlocks. You want to confront with love, not with hate. And what changes in you is you start to have a servant's heart, which brings you to a kingdom mentality, not just a you-centered universe. It's a Christ-centered universe. What I want to show you is you can be in Jesus and still be struggling with these things. The difference is who Jesus is to you. But right now, maybe you're a spiritual child, and your next step is to grow emotionally. Understand that confession and repentance happens. If you can really get in Christian community and people confess and repent, I'm telling you, it'll change your walk with Jesus. Because you realize you don't have it all together. And you know what? They don't either. So we're going to follow Jesus the best we know how, step by step. And that's awesome. And believe it or not, most of the time when you start confessing and repenting, either you've walked through that season that they're just now coming into, or they've walked through the season that you're coming into, and you can work with each other how you walk through it. That's what it's about. So the next thing and the next stage or phase in our spiritual journey a spiritual young adult spiritual young adult and for that person they are Christ centered and other focused they are Christ-centered and others-focused. So, for those folks, uh, that's our spur ministry. When we talk in physical development, those are those are those in the the sixth, the middle school and high school, junior high years. That, those are people that they start realizing that it's not about them. Like once they get to middle school, they start realizing it ain't all about me. Like there, it, there's something else going on here. And our spiritual journey is the same way. It ain't all about me. There's something else. There's something more that I'm supposed to be a part of. First John 2, 13 says it this way. John in this letter writes, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now 14 goes on to even talk even more about how a young adult overcomes things. And so what I want to tell you is a spiritual young adult is important because your shift and your focus will show how your maturity has grown in the faith. You'll go from it being about why is God doing this to me? Why is God making me walk through all of this? Why is why does God hate me? Why does God doing this? And it stops to being, man, that person looks like they're hurting. I wonder if I should do something about that. It starts being about the kingdom. You start understanding that it's more about more than here and now. People who are spiritual young adults want to know what their spiritual gifts are because they realize that those gifts were given to them not for them, but to share with the world. That they were given to them to show people to Jesus like never before. Usually what ends up happening in a young adult, a spiritual young adult's life, is there's a sin issue that they struggle with. And it kills their confidence to share Jesus with others. It absolutely makes them caged to going and trying to help others develop in their spiritual walk. Usually it's some kind of sin that they just can't shake. And the way that they're going to shake it, believe it or not, is in community. It will help you. It will help you because that accountability is there. And so I will tell you that's why we believe life change happens best in Christian community is for the spiritual young adult, for the spiritual child, and for the spiritual infant. But what we see also inside of this spiritual young adult, outside of that struggling sin that they can get over, they start finding their identity. They start finding who they are. That's what I love about middle schoolers and high schoolers. They start finding their voice. They start finding who they are. They start becoming more independent of mom and dad. God knows they get the keys to the car. Uh, And when they get the keys to the car, it starts with, can I go to the grocery store? And then all of a sudden that changes, doesn't it? We all get there. They don't want to go to the grocery store anymore. It's you're willing to go anywhere, anywhere the parents will let you go. You start finding your voice. The critical stage of a spiritual young adult is the unexpected crisis and how they respond. The unexpected thing that shows up on their radar and how they respond. The difference between a spiritual young adult and a child will be a spiritual young adult will understand that this is just part of the story. This is part of God doing what only he can do. A spiritual child will stay mad at God. Now listen, I can tell you there are times I get mad at God now. Pray to him. He can handle it. Be real with him. He don't want the fake you. He wants the real you. But if I stay stuck in that, There's something wrong with me spiritually. My relationship isn't where I need to be. And what a spiritual young adult understands is there's something greater going on here. Like, this is a setup for God to do something incredible. I can't see it. And quite frankly, I don't feel it, God. But I know you're up to something. That's the shift in a young adult. And that's what ends up happening is in middle school or high school, usually the first bad grade comes across or the first thing or, or they didn't make the team for the first time or they didn't get to play the game or they didn't get the instrument they wanted in band or, or they didn't get, they didn't get to, to be the lead in the chorus. They didn't get to do these things. And so they learn how to deal with it. And they understand, man, it's just a blip on the radar. And a spiritual walk, that's when the diagnosis comes you didn't want. It's when the job loss comes. That's when the, the bank accounts drop. That's when, when they left you and you thought they never would. That's when, that's when all of a sudden in your life, the car breaks down, the house burns down, everything happens all at once, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. What in the world's going on? You realize it's just part of the story that Jesus is writing for you. Because the thing is, if he was done with you, you wouldn't be here. You would be in heaven. The spiritual young adult understands that. So for me, I will tell you before we go on the sayings, I remember being in that phase. For the longest time, I told you I'm not going to unpack the whole thing, but being called to ministry as a teenager, craziness happening at church, trying to bargain with God, telling him, I'll make you the most money I can. I'm going to be on the, the Forbes Christian list. I don't know if they even have that, but I'm making that the Forbes Christian list. I'll do everything I can. But I remember that the, the, there was a church coming to this city, and I lived in a different county, but I could not be here. Lived in a different county for a year on staff at a church in full-time ministry. Because I was acting as a spiritual young adult, I was just scared. I didn't know how to take that full step in because I had been burned before. And I I knew that it was going to require me to be a spiritual parent. And how in the world was I going to share that with people? And instead, I followed Jesus. He told me to be here. It didn't make sense to anyone in my family. It certainly didn't make sense to my bank account. It didn't make sense to anybody. Why I did it. It's what God called me to do. It's what Jesus called me to do. And through the heartache of that experience, it led to the vine. It led to us being here where we are right now. And what I want to tell you, the reason I'm telling you is I've been there as an adult. The thing, as a spiritual young adult, the thing that finally got me to surrender is my hard-headedness. I didn't sleep for almost two days. And I'm like, God, why can't I sleep? he's like, because you ain't listening, idiot. Like, listen, I'm telling you to say Yes. I want, to, I want you to be what I created you to be. You just got to follow me. And so, if you're in a spiritual young adult phase, don't let that struggling sin stop you from trying to help someone grow spiritually. Get in community, confess, repent, and watch how people will accept you. Because the thing, the reason we don't confess and repent is we're afraid of what people are going to think about us. We say, if they just knew. If they just knew I wanted to do that with those shopping carts, and I already had them all lined up. Like, if they just knew. They just knew. So if you're stuck in a spiritual young adult phase, I want to tell you, it's just a blip on the radar. And I told you, we could go into my ministry experience and all that later. I'd love to talk to you even more about it, because I'm telling you, I'm living proof God's got a greater plan, even if you don't realize it. But I want to remind you, as you're growing, what would make an orchid grow? will drown a cactus. What we'll would make an orchid grow, will drown a cactus. So understand it's in God's timing. And it's His. It's a process. It's not this linear thing. It looks good up here, but this just helps us understand it better. Don't try to drown yourself out being something you weren't created to be because you, 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 you'll drown everything out around you. And cactuses, although they're pretty cool, they're pretty prickly, aren't they? We all enjoy those orchids though, don't we? so much so they even have those fake ones all the time in the store that you know you can get but it's a nice it's a nice thing to have isn't it just remember that maybe god created you to be a cactus in this season so you soak it all up so that you have sustenance to go further down the line okay so the sayings of someone who's a spiritual young adult i feel compelled to pray for my neighbor who doesn't know jesus Man, I really want to make a difference, and I heard that they need help down at the soup kitchen, so I'm going to step in and serve. I wonder how I can step in and help live out playing my part in the body of Christ. Man, it's not like them to miss greenhouse or church, so I called them to make sure they were okay. See, that's a sign of a spiritual young adult is they, they, they don't just notice someone's missing, they try to follow up. And I wish I could tell you I was perfect at that all the time. I'm not, but I'll tell you, that's where we can be. A spiritual young adult says things like this. I can't believe we get to do this and the part I get to play in being in Jesus' story. I can't believe we get to do this and the part he lets me play in being in this story. Or I can't believe I get to do this in the role I get to play in the body. I can't believe I get to do this. They're in awe that they get to do that. You know why? Go to a middle school concert. And when you see them from the beginning to the end of the year, it'll blow your mind. In chorus and band and sports, whatever it looks like, how they've grown and their confidence, how it's grown. That's what spiritual young adults look like. So for you, maybe that's where you are. What shows you really was probably holding you back. If the spirit's revealing to you that you are just in this phase in some area of your life, confess and repent that sin. That's probably what's got you stuck. And it's okay. I'll tell you what had me stuck. The sin was fear, fear of man. I was just afraid. I was afraid of what people thought to go into ministry because you know what? I'm going to get hurt again and I ain't going to have no money. I ain't going to be able to do this. I ain't going to be able to do that. Well, guess what? Money isn't everything. It keeps the lights on. That's great. That's great. We'll sing, what is it, Toby? Well, Who was it? Every line in the house is on. Well, that's an old song. Anyway, we won't open that. That's all it does. That's all it does. In the end, it's just a tool. It's a tool in the tool belt. So wherever you are, maybe Jesus is illuminating to you that you're a spiritual young adult. The last one is a spiritual parent. And to get to that phase from a spiritual young adult to a spiritual parent, what happens is you got to be confident in who you were created to be and walk in it. Because a spiritual parent is Christ-like, and they're intentional disciple-makers. They understand that we do this to make disciples, they live out the great commission. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 through 2 says it this way. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is telling Timothy in this. Listen. I have stewarded the message of the gospel and I have shown you the message of the gospel so that you can not only just keep it and preach it in your lifetime, you are to share it with the world and entrust it with people that can share it after you. This is how we multiply. This is what we were made to do. This is how we live out, love God, love others. If you are a parent You have a God-given desire to reproduce, by the way. If you're in a right relationship, even in some people not even in a right relationship with Jesus have a God-given desire to reproduce. I'm saying if you're a parent, you have a God-given desire to reproduce, to be fruitful and multiply. And inside the confines of marriage the right way, that's what you want to do. You want to produce. As a spiritual parent, it's the same way. You want to reproduce. You want to make disciples. You want to help that infant then help someone as they move into being a, a young adult and eventually a parent. Or they go into being a child, then a young adult, and a parent. You want to help them help somebody else get through that. Have you ever just seen that? Isn't it just so crazy like when you look at someone and you realize you help others, how important that makes you feel? Like have you ever seen that in a child when they realize the difference they really made for the first time? For the first time. Like just the joy. And a young adult the same way. That's what we're called to be as spiritual parents. The distinguishing mark between this and everything else, as you can see, is intentionality. Intentionality. They can repeat the process over and over again with others. So for me, listen, I've shared this with you. I'm a one-on-one person. I've told you this, so I'm telling you. I'm a one-on-one person or I'm a shotgun blast masses person. Don't put me at a lunch table. I will be glad to be there with you. But when you have eight people, there's seven different conversations going on at the same time. And I'm just, maybe it's pride, but I want to make sure that I'm involved in everyone. I'm just nosy. But I want to make sure I'm part of all of them. And I want to make sure everyone knows that they matter at that table. So I will want to have a one on one conversation with you across the table while seven other side conversations are going on over here. And then I get frustrated. And I'll be like, can y'all just be quiet? We're trying to talk. And they're like, just move and sit next to them. Like, seriously, Tyler. Don't be crazy I'm a one-on-one person and a spiritual parent's that way unless I'm praying for you to have twins. it is what it is but a spiritual person is that way we know better we know better but a, a spiritual parent is that way with a child and listen listen you want to know about that I'm getting them I'm getting uh, I'm getting Destiny's child back there I'm getting node. Uh, a spiritual parent is this way. Listen, this is how I lead. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect at it, but I enjoy one-on-one. You're going to see me leading back into one-on-one church because that's how Jesus wired me, but it's also how he created me to grow and help those around me grow. Simple process if you're a spiritual parent. And even if you're teaching somebody something at work, I want to give you give you the way that it worked for me. And it's this. It's four steps. Four steps. I do, you watch. I do. We do. You do, I watch. You do, I leave. That's simple. I do, you watch. I do, then we do it together. You do, and I watch you do it. Then you do, and I leave, and I go repeat the process with someone else. That works anywhere. It works in our spiritual journey, too. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Follow what I've taught you and entrust it to someone else. Follow the example that I'm giving you. Not perfect. Paul said he was the chief sinner among all of them, right? But he said, follow how I'm following Jesus and teach people to do the same. And so for all of us, that's what I want you to know is that's what we have to be as spiritual parents. If God has brought you to this stage in your spirituality, if you are a spiritual parent and you're not having an infant or a child or a young adult with you to invest in, you don't feel whole. You feel like your gifts are not mattering. You feel like it's not making a difference. And it's bringing you back to that spiritual child phase of self-centeredness. Because you were created for more. And so what I want to tell you is maybe today the Spirit is reminding you that you're a spiritual parent. I want to ask you who you're bringing along. Who are you bringing along? Because God's put them all around us. They're all around us. And if we listen, we can hear them. Let me tell you, here's some sayings of that person who is a spiritual parent. They say things like this, and you've heard it, and it's a platitude, but it's real that the person is real. The most important thing isn't what you do but who you become. You ever got to that phase with your parents where they understand that it's who you become, not what you do, and you finally understand that? Man, your relationship usually skyrockets, doesn't it? It just goes through the roof. Maybe as a parent of children, you understand you are the most important person to influence that child's life for Jesus. And how that spiritual parent would say that is, hey, I'm the most important person to influence my child's life for Jesus. Pray for me and hold me accountable to make discipleship a priority. Pray for me that I pray in front of them. Pray for me that I'm accountable, that I will tell them what I read in my Bible today. Pray for me that I will ask them how I can pray for them. Pray for me where I can ask them what they think about this Bible verse. Even though I know they won't have a clue if they don't know who Jesus is. It's still pointing them to him. A spiritual parent will say things like this. Man, I'm burdened for this guy at work, Bill. He asked me to explain the Bible to him. Pray for me as we spend time over lunch diving into the Word. They'll usually go on in that journey and say, man, I I will tell you what. Pray for me as I continue to invest in Bill on his spiritual journey. Then all of a sudden it'll be, hey man, I'm so fired up that Bill is is baptizing his son who's in his home group, who he started this home group a year ago, and this is what it's all about, and I can't believe I got to be a part of that story, but who would have ever known that that's what God had planned when two years ago Bill asked me what this meant to be in the Bible. That's what spiritual parents get to live out, and if I'm honest, that's what we all want to live out, isn't it? Because that story right there, if you're in Christ, if you're like me, your heart's beating out of your chest right now. You got the, the tinglys. You got the, oh my gosh, like this is what it's all about. Because it is. We're supposed to go and make disciples. Because Jesus called us to multiply. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you the word is in there as well surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age you want to know the impact you can make on someone's life when you step out of this building or you go do what you're doing today i want you to look at the horizon look as far as the east is from the west jesus can jesus jesus died to forgive us of our sins from the east the west, Which means he's gone before us from the east to the west. He is already at work in the lives around us as far as you can see on that horizon from the east to the west. So if you want to see the impact you can make to multiply the kingdom of God, look as far as from the east is to the west. And ask Jesus how he would let you play a part of it. Because all of us were meant to be a part of that. As far as the east from the west, we get to be a part of the multiplication of the kingdom of heaven. It's not our job to save. It's God's job. Only Jesus can help people be saved. They have to confess him as Lord and Savior. It's not our job to judge. The Holy Spirit will work on that. He'll convict. God will judge and the Holy Spirit will convict. It's our job to love as far as the east is from the west. So the thing is, how many times can we say that we've done that? I wish I could tell you it was great that I could say I did that all the time. But I'm telling you, there's something inside of me that Jesus is saying, hey, so many times we can get caught up in numbers, so many times we can get caught up in things, so many times we can look up in a collection of people, and it's not that. It's making a difference as far as the east is from the west. That's why at the Vine, I love that we give of our time, talent, and treasure. I love that we aren't afraid to give to the local church around the world, that we aren't we aren't afraid to give to gospel center nonprofits. And even though God's called us to give 15%, we're going to celebrate like heaven when we're able to give more than that because we know that it was only Him that allowed us to do that. When we can see 25% going, we can see 30% going because we're multiplying the kingdom of heaven from the east to the west. We have people that we've got to impact that we won't meet this side of eternity. How crazy awesome is that! Now imagine the people that we're going to bump into today that we get to impact on this side of eternity. God created us to be disciple makers. Jesus called us. The last thing he told us to do is be disciple makers who multiply. So my question for you today is, where are you on the spiritual journey? Throughout all of this, this could be a great informational thing, but I would love for Jesus to do what only he could do to make it a transformational thing. Where are you at on this journey? And don't be afraid to say I'm a spiritual infant. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a spiritual child. You're taking steps. The thing I want to tell you today is, wherever you are, I want us to take next steps together. The one thing I want to tell you, though, is if you're spiritually dead, I just want to ask you who Jesus is to you. Because it's great to walk through all these phases, but. If you just walk in religion, you're just going to stay on that side of the spiritual journey that is dead. Without him, there is no growth. Yeah, your bank account grew. Yeah, you got an extra car. Yeah, you got four more houses. Yeah, you own a football team. I don't know. Whatever that is. But without Jesus, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to say for some of you right now, you may be realizing that you're spiritually dead. Someone who can hear my voice is realizing that. And I just want to tell you there is hope. There is hope. And it's Jesus. Because the only way we cross from spiritually dead to even getting to be a spiritually infant is by trusting Jesus. It's believing in our heart that he died and rose again on the third day, confessing with our mouth that he is Lord of our life and living it out the rest of our life the best way we know how. See, the hope That we have, John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us of because we were all born spiritually dead and had no way to Jesus. But God loved us enough that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will have everlasting life. But don't miss this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The only way to go from here to there is Jesus. And it's just simply receiving that he is who he says he is. So we're about to bow our heads and pray, and it's not the words of this prayer that will get you saved. It's faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're all going to pray together for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ for the first time. So everyone, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you lived a life that I couldn't live. <clears throat> Died the death I deserved on the cross. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And if that's you right now, I'm about to count to three. I'm going to ask you to respond if you can say for the first time that you have given your life to Jesus and has confessed him as Lord and Savior of your life. I'm going to count to three, and this is your moment to respond. One, two, three. Three. If that's you and you can say for the first time you've given your life to Jesus, if you're watching online, you're going to see a hand that's popped up. If you're watching on Facebook or or, or listening by podcast, please reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or give us a phone call or text message at 864 580 6698. Because here's the thing if you've just given your life to Jesus, He didn't create you to stay a spiritual infant, He created you to grow in Him and follow Him step by step. And we have a bunch of spiritual parents who want to walk with you step by step on this journey. As you're figuring out, we're going to walk it with you. Please, everyone, I'm about to pray and after I get through praying, we're going to stand and let's worship. Let's worship and, and let's worship like this is the glorious day that it is. So dear Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for allowing us to be here today and allowing us just to lift your name high. Thank you for making a way for us not to be spiritually dead. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to grow in you to listen to you and do what you say. In this moment where we're worshiping Jesus, I just pray that we wouldn't forget what you saved us from. That we wouldn't forget that you didn't die for us to stay spiritually infants or spiritually young adults or spiritually children. You died so that we are disciple makers who are spiritual parents and that you've given us this message to share with the world. Let us not forget that. Let us be intentional in everything we do. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen go, stand up and sing with us. Go! Cool. All right, all right. Well, you know how we do it every week, so let's lock it up and pray. And I believe today that Jesus has called us all to take some next steps, and that is awesome. I can't wait to take them together, and speaking of next steps, we got a seat saved just for you next week. We're kicking off a brand new series called Alter Ego, because we all have one. You know what I mean? That being said, we're going to be learning about our identity in Christ, and that is so awesome, especially as he's called us to be spiritual parents who are disciples disciple makers. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day again. Thank you that we get to be here. Thank you that we get to celebrate the glorious day that we no longer have to walk dead as zombies destined for hell, but instead we get to experience heaven on earth through you, and we get to bring heaven on earth to the world around us because you are in us. So Jesus, remind us of that. Let us be intentional in everything that we do. Jesus, this week as we go to school, as we go to work, as we meet our friends, as we go get something to eat, as we are driving down the road, remind us of the intentionality to know that we are here for a purpose, with a purpose, and that is to bring you the most glory. As far as the east is from the west, remind us of the impact that we can make, Jesus. Bring us back here safely next week, Jesus. We just lift up all of the ones. We lift up every one of the teachers, students, administrators, coaches, athletes, everyone uh, as this school year is kicking off. Let them feel you and experience you like never before. But more importantly, let them show you to the world like never before. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can't wait to see you next week.